0: hello everybody this is Jason Cass and welcome to the new episode the new podcast agency intelligence now I got to tell you I literally had to walk myself through saying that because I'm so used to saying welcome to agents influence podcast right but while I'm excited because um, a lot of you maybe you don't know maybe you do it's after March 1st now and according to my records March 5th of 2013, was the day we put out our first podcast for agents influence for what used to be known as grow program. And so that means if you can do your math, that's right. Count on your fingers. That's five years now. Can can you believe this to all you loyal listeners out there? We've been doing this five years. And if you've noticed and you can go to insuranceagencyintelligence.com, you'll notice that we have completely rebranded. There is no more Grow anymore. The only Grow program there is is when I have to file my taxes, and that's the way that the government records all the money that I'm losing in this venture. And so what do they do is is we are agency intelligence now. Uh, A lot of you guys have heard it. I'm going to repeat it over the next couple podcasts because I want you to know you may be listening. This is the first one you're listening to. You may be a loyal listener. This is maybe the first one you've caught. As you know, I guys took a hiatus. I recorded some of the last one back in December. I've now started to spit them back out again. I've got a bunch that are recorded at this time, which you've probably already listened to those now. Um, But we are separating it into two podcasts. So it's Agency Intelligence, which we are now AI. And then we have agents influence conversations with Jason Cass, and converse agents influence conversations with Jason Cass is from a higher level. It's more of the industry. It's more of the Ryan Handleys, the Cindy Donaldson that you've probably just recently listened to. It's the Billy Williams, and and Billy's kind of actually not really qualifying for agents influence conversation with Jason Cass, but he does. But then I occasionally am going to start to throw out and actually probably More frequently, I should say, going to start putting out things like this podcast, which is agency intelligence. And this is where I go get people who are actually doing what you and I do every day, right? They just don't sit around and talk about it. They don't sit there and say, oh, yeah, well, I remember back in 94 when I was an agent before I became a consultant or before I became a marketer and trying to tell people that video is the thing that's going to drive the most business to you. Um, No. We're talking to somebody like today, Miles Merwin, who is the owner, the CEO, the founder of Advisors Insurance Agency. Now, now here's, here's the thing about this is why this is important. And I'm going to stop and get on with Miles. It's because this is real agency intelligence versus the artificial intelligence others want to tell you about. So we reinvented AI. We straight said artificial intelligence out the door. Agency intelligence right here. And that's what we're doing here. So give it some time as this kind of blossoms and becomes what it is. But this is the brainchild of what I've thought. You'll also hear my solos when I go on and do my solos. I sound like I'm I'm like a rapper or something, but I'm really not. But when I do go do my solos, it'll also be part of agency intelligence. But now to get on with it, because you're a loyal listener and you have things to do. Before I get on with Miles, I want to remind you that you need to go To AI Lab 18. That's AI Lab 18. Or you also need to go to AI Brainshare 18. 18 AIBrainshare18.com. And that's where you need to sign up. Now, keep in mind, we're having it September 13th through the 15th in Las Vegas, Nevada at the SLS Hotel and Casino. And we only take 100 people. you If you're a loyal listener, you've heard me say this. Now, here's the deal, guys. We have got an extreme amount of interest in what we are doing. It uh, opened up March 1st. I'm just going to be honest with you, as I always am. It's not March 1st yet as I record this, but I think it's uh, it's the 27th, so it's pretty close. But I guarantee you, we, we have already opened up in the first week. You're able to get it for almost half price, basically. And then after that, it's sort of going to gradually start to go up. But don't worry about the price. The fact is it's less than elevate and innovate and all of those because we're not there for money where they're just just feed you and get you to come there. So and and feed you some drinks, cold, refreshing beverages or water, whatever you prefer, a little bit of coffee. But I need you to be there. And there's only going to be 100 people. And I will promise you, probably at, at the time that you're listening to this podcast, I'll be updating it, but we're probably already halfway full. Last year when we opened it up, we shot up to about 40 or 50 people immediately because that's the mastermind members. And then this year, by some of the speaking I've been doing and Nicholas Ayers and Ryan Hanley helping me push the platform, you're going to find out that a is going to go quick. So make sure you get signed up at AILab18.com because that used to be the name and I had already bought that domain, but it's also AI brand. Share18.com, which is actually what it's going to be called going forward. But in the meantime, we've talked long enough. Let's get on to the real action, the real energy, the real genius. We call him Mr. Miles Merwin. Miles, welcome to Agency Intelligence Podcast. How are you doing?
1: I'm well. Yeah, yeah, you know,
0: there's reasons for that, Miles. And I think the loyal listeners are getting ready to find (laughs) out. So, Miles, Let's go on with this because here we are. I finally have Miles Merwin on the show. You you guys don't know. He's got a booking agent, and you've got to book him like years out. It's unbelievable. I, I think I reached out to you in 2016, asked you to do this, and finally here we are in 2018 um, and right, right after the birthday of five years. Miles, are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? I'm iPhone. an iPhone user. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any reason why?
1: You know, I got the first iPhone when it came out. And uh, slowly but surely, I've, I've purchased more Apple products. And I just like that it's you open the box and you just use it. it. I also think you undersell yourself, Miles,
0: because I think that when you look up the definition of loyalty and consistency, I think there's a picture of you right there. And if you guys don't know, he has he has red hair. He's ginger is what we call him. I like to call him ginger because those are the words he uses. But anyways, (laughs) um, Miles, now tell us the last maybe uh, pod or the uh, latest uh, app that you've downloaded business, personal life games for fun what is it
1: so i think i might have caused myself a problem but i downloaded the robin hood app most recently which is ah. kind of a, a free stock trading app and it has consumed my life and if i look at it right now i'll probably be upset yeah, uh, you would. i was up you know i was i was up as of before yesterday morning i made some bad picks like Fitbit and now I'm losing a lot of money. So, you know, right. You know,
0: the guy in my office, uh, Scott, he uses, uh, one of these free apps to do it. And you know, what's amazing is that he's making a little bit of cash right now. Miles, he bought one of these penny stocks and he yeah. had been doing this research and and he found out that it's some natural herbal and thing, and da, da 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 da, and I guess some star is getting ready to push it. So we bought like I, I can't remember like a thousand dollars worth of these penny stocks, and the sucker went to like seventeen cents. And I mean, if you do the math, it's phenomenal. Like, what seventeen cents can make you? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so it was. It was. It was really, really cool. So um, I don't really follow it too much, but you told me about that. And and Travis in my office uses that Robin Hood app. He absolutely loves that thing. So Miles, um, do you
1: love to win or do you hate to lose? You know, I asked my little girl that the other day. Uh, she's six, and she said that she doesn't like to use the word hate because that's a bad word. But so she changed and said she despised to lose. Despise. She really. She's six, and she said despise. Yes.
0: Yeah, they can tell you the genius that Miles is. See what you guys are getting ready to get. I mean, that's just the way he is. And and really, I think the genius is your wife, right? I think so. I think that's the, yeah. the credit to there for sure. Good answer, because you might be listening to this in one day, driving down the road with her in the car, and you just earned brownie points, Miles. <laughs> that was good. But also, you spoke the truth, and she prefers that over anything. All that's right, right. well, fantastic. And that, that's a good point. It disdain it is disdain to lose. And and I I, I do agree. I think both sides that either one is right. Um, I just love listening to how it reflects upon in people's mind to for them to side one way or another. And uh, I don't like the negativity of it either, but man, I love to win, you know? But then again, yeah. I just really I love to sit there and lose, not love it. But I like this when I lose, I do like that time afterwards to say, what, what can I learn from that? You know what I mean? Like what can I learn from that? Um. And Miles, well, taking this one step further before, let me geek out before we get more into you. I'm, I'm really big to this podcast, Philosophize This. I've been talking about this with the mastermind and on my meetings and stuff. And one of the things that I, I love about philosophy and one of the things of like, I think it was Confucius or something, one of these people that we're learning about, and they said that there's really no good or bad, right? So there really is no good or bad. And I'm not going to get too deep into it, but it does make sense that how many times in our life does something happen and we think It's terrible, but literally nine times out of 10 in a month, in a week, whatever it could be, we look back at it and we're saying, well, you know what? I'm kind of glad that
1: happened. Don't you say that a lot, Miles? Exactly. And the other one, uh, I listened to uh, how I built this with Guy Raz and he asks, you know, he asks every one of his people he interviews, whether their success was based off of luck or skill. And Everybody a- answers that question. And some people are like very luck. Some people are very skilled. And most people are kind of in between. You know, it's it's, it's how you've prepared yourself for that moment to come up and how you answer to it. Um, you know, you're lucky to be in the position to, to be able to make a decision. But how what decision you make comes from your experience. And so it's kind of the same thing as what you're talking about, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: It is. A, a guy driving to work who, or a person driving to work who's late to work is thinking, man, this is terrible. My whole day is going to be late. But then as he's driving to work, he finds out that there was a uh, branch that fell in the road or a collision that happened that if he would have actually left on time could have affected him. So that very same scenario, the same thing of leaving late where one time is bad is now another time good makes you realize that really there was no bad or good. It's just the way that it is. And confusion. Just says that whatever happens, it's the best thing that possibly could happen. And sometimes when you look at negative things, you think, well, how could that be the best thing that ever happened? Well, it's because we form it that way at the very beginning, but we really haven't had the experience or the wisdom to look at it, to actually declare it that in that moment. thought it was fantastic. I like the luck or skill. Uh, What would you say about that, Miles? What would you say,
1: luck or skill? You know, I don't really like luck. Uh, You don't like luck? I don't like luck because I can't be in control of it. That's true. It's true. It's true.
0: That's very true. I had a buddy when we were in uh, high school. Used to say that any I can't ever say anything's luck because I've prepared for it. He used to throw a basketball over the over his back, and he'd throw it over his back, and he'd say, "Now if that goes in, that's not luck." He said, "I've been playing basketball for a long time to kind of know where a basketball." Rim is, right? And, and I right. kind of have that feel, right? So I would say to him, Well, what about someone who'd never played basketball and threw it over there? He said, Well, they've done other things in their life that have given them depth perception and made it to where he says, But I have a higher likelihood of making it, which tells me it's not luck. So it was interesting. God, I'm just getting off. I apologize. This this is agent, this is agency intelligence, folks. It's just the way it is. It's a different thing. Learn, learn to love it. Miles, take us back to your beginnings. Where were you born?
1: Where 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 were you born? I was actually born in San Bernardino, California.
0: Really? I had no idea. Like how dare you not tell me that? Like you're supposed to. <laughs> but yeah, fantastic. So take me start me there and bring us forward to how you got out to South Carolina.
1: Well, my dad was in the Air Force, so he was stationed in outside of San Diego, which is San Bernardino, and so we were he was stationed there. I was born there, my sister was born there, and then we, he was transferred to the Charleston Air Force Base in like 1986 or so. And so that's what brought me to South Carolina. Um, okay. And then he retired from the Air Force, and we moved to the upstate of South Carolina uh, for him to find a job. And so I've been in the upstate of South Carolina since 1989.
0: Okay. 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 And Miles, how old are you?
1: 35.
0: 35, the young age of 35, and folks, you'd never know it when you see the uh, the mecca of a business he has created, and so you when you moved to Upstate, you go to college, where, where'd you go? How'd you where, where? How'd you get in the insurance
1: industry? Yeah, so I went to, actually right out of high school, I went to Greenville, a technical college for automotive technology, because I thought I was going to work on cars, and, until I did a little internship in a summer And the, uh, the guy told me to break down the steering column in an Oldsmobile and not to break any of the clips when I did it. And I broke them all and (laughs) I knew that I was not going to be working on cars for the rest of my life. That was horrible. Uh, and so I stopped that. Um, you know, I, my college experience was kind of all over the place. I, I was in college, then out and then back in and then back out. I, um, got in a really bad motorcycle accident, didn't have any health insurance. My dad went down to the technical college, signed me up for four classes the same day. So then his military health insurance picked me up and covered the motorcycle accident because I had wow. I was a full-time student uh, technically on the same date of the accident. So they covered the quarter million dollar medical bill. Wow. Um, but that got me back in school. Um, and then I think I quit again bartended downtown and then I met as you said earlier the genius of my life uh, my wife and she said hey you need to actually finish something and so (laughs) I went back to school finished a an associates in business and marketing and I think I took my final exam on our honeymoon
0: wow wow that's that's interesting so how'd you move forward to where you are now
1: so from there, still bartending a little bit, and then uh, it was time to work during the day. And so my, I had some friends that worked for State Farm, uh, and so I took my resume down to like a corporate office here in town, and it happened to be that the lady that I was handing my resume to, I had been on a mission trip years earlier to Romania to do basketball camps, and didn't know she was there, but she was. Gave her my resume. She blasted it across all the agents in the upstate. And I got a bunch of phone calls and April 1st, 2008, started at a state farm office, um, learning the ropes. And then he fired me after six months. Uh, Told me I wasn't meant for the business. (laughs) Really? The state uh,
0: farm agent did?
1: Yep, fired me, told me I wasn't meant for the business. I think two weeks later, I got another job a mile down the road at another state farm office because they're all over the place and uh, paid my dues there for about three and a half years. And uh, I think that was the moment, Jason, that when I was got let go from that state farm office the first time, um, I was sitting in the parking lot in my Jeep Wrangler and the agent came out to me and I remember asking him and saying, um... Now, would you provide me a recommendation for the next job? And he said that he would think about it, but he wasn't sure. And I thought to myself, I was sitting there in my car that day that I will never be fired again. Uh, that I, I, my mind changed from the employee mindset to an owner mindset. And right then I remember deciding that I did want to be in the insurance business, that I liked it, it was going to be my career, And I was going to do whatever it took to be good at sales and be good in this business. But I knew I didn't have enough experience. So I took that job two weeks later, another State Farm office, and just hustled for three and a half years. And then planned this business and then quit and opened this one with nothing. How long ago was that? That was March fifteenth, two 2012. The Ides of March. Or upon yep.
0: us. Wow, yep. yes. Okay. Wow. What you said two thousand twelve?
1: Is that right? Yep. Two thousand twelve. I had my ENO. The, the 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 big eye emailed me back and said that I had my ENO coverage on March fourteenth. Uh, that evening. She emailed me to tell me I had coverage effective March fifteenth. So the very next day I walked in and quit. Wow. Fantastic,
0: fantastic. So, circling circling back just a second before we keep going forward. Why'd that guy fire you after six months? What was his you know, reasoning?
1: I was terrible. I mean, I, I didn't sell anything. I mean, the sales were terrible. Uh, and I think it's you know, and, and now I realize this when when hiring people, it's tough to hire people that have zero background in insurance and expect them to have high sales goals within the first six months of them starting. I mean, it is a good size learning curve to go from absolutely no experience. And I was only 24 years old. I had no sales experience really either. And uh, you've got a lot of product to learn. You've got a lot of just language, vocabulary, conversation style to learn, the skill of picking up the phone and calling people and building rapport. There's a lot of skills there that you really need to develop to be able to sell well. Um, you'll You're have right. some, you'll you'll have some some successes, but nothing consistent. And you know, and, and then sometimes it's just office envir- environment. The office that you select to go to work in, uh, you know, the, is there a culture of mentorship, or is there a culture of competitiveness within the staff members, which can be healthy, but not when the people who are supposed to be mentoring you are also being competitive with you. Uh, because then they see you as competition. And very good point. Very good
0: point. I don't think I've heard ever, anybody ever say it that way. That's a very good point, Miles. Uh, because I like that.
1: You're, you're You're treading on their territory. So, you know, it, it, that culture in the office just really – and I always tell people that are coming in that I interview now, and, you know, if I'm not interested in hiring them, I said, hey, when you're getting into the insurance business, the person interviewing you – is you know that's fine, I said, but you really need to be interviewing the person behind the desk because if you pick the wrong person, you will be you'll be a part of the statistic of the people who try to get in the insurance business but fail. Mm-hmm. There's a high failure rate, and it's because you were the one being interviewed and you didn't do the interviewing, making sure they were the right fit for you in your career. Because you can get a job in an insurance office all day long; it's easy anybody will hire you if you're willing to work but and if you know that you could be good in this business and you've you know done some learning gotten your licensing ahead of time you will get hired it is you, they should find the right person for them not just take the first you course. know miles awesome.
0: You know, Miles. What's amazing about this is is you you talk about this type of stuff a lot. Um, whether you're posting in the mastermind or you're talking on the, some of the meetings uh, that you grace uh, your that you gra- uh, grace us your presence with, um, I think one of the things that that you, you you find yourself to be
1: somebody who's really good at hiring people. I mean, I've definitely had some success there. I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest reasons for our success, um, I, and it takes a long time though you know, it's, it's, unfortunately, it's not a quick thing. And I just, I just, you know, a girl that I've, that I've invested quite a bit in, um, she's been working for me for two years, and she's just decided that she's going to go back home to the coast. And, you know, it's a huge loss to the agency, and I don't have a bench. I mean, I haven't been building my bench very well. And so, you know, I basically just, you know, had a starter on the basketball court. For let's use Kentucky, since you're a Kentucky fan, you know you had a smart of just sprained his ankle, and your bench is thin. Ah, that's a good way to look at it, and that's where you're at right now, right? It is, you know. So I'm back to Zip Recruiter, you know, which is terrible. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is. It is. You know, and so tell us about, you know, because part of your hiring and part of the culture that you've built, I think, has been uh, to your success. So, uh, you know, whether or not uh, you want to tell, but your your premium is north of a million. So that's all we need to say, because I think there's a big defining moment. I think a big defining moment on an agent that gets between 300 to 400,000 in revenue and gets above that. I feel as if there's a real hard plateau right there that you have to overcome. I yeah. believe, tell me if I'm wrong, That it's, it's a lot easier to grow after that. But I think after you get to about that 900,000, that million revenue mark, I think you kind of hit that plateau again. And it's like, how do we push through that? I think it goes to about a million. Now, what I've been told is that the next million is actually easy, but you get to that two million to two and a half million, which I can't wait to experience this. But you get to that. And so you're there now, which means that you've you've pushed through. We won't get into your finances because I know them, because you and I have an intimate relationship. That's not for everybody to know. But your growth has been unbelievably extraordinary. And I mean, what do you what do you
1: what's your number one thing that you attribute that to? I mean, I think, what I mean, again, people, uh, people in our office are the number one. Uh, they are the ones out there building the relationships and talking with the clients every day and building trust. Um, I mean, they're, they're the number one. They're, they're the reason why we are mostly successful. Um, and behind that, I try to put a lot of energy in building in a good brand around that and the right tools and the right technology, the right carriers, right, right. Um, the right relationships uh, the right support staff to make them feel confident in what they're doing um, you know invest in their education uh, so pe- people's number one um, an, an example of this I had a guy that I hired a, a few years ago his name was Jason and uh, you know he worked for me for about seven eight months and at that time in my mind, a body was any body was good. If they could produce anything, that's great, right? Because it didn't cost me anything if they're commission only. That was a huge mistake. He was able to generate maybe um, you know a hundred thousand dollars in uh, in premium in seven or eight months. I rehired uh, after I let him go. I hired another guy. He was able to generate. You know, he averages. 80 to over 100,000 a month in premium. So the the, wow, the thing is, is having a body in your office is not good enough. It's finding the right people who are able to connect well. Um, And there's something about certain people; they either can connect with people and build trust quickly or they can't both. are very.
0: That's what my question is real quick, miles. I want to cut you yeah. off because this is important what you just said. And I want to dig just deeper on just for a second here. What was the difference between Jason and that new guy? What do you feel was the difference that was that separator from why they were so different and being successful?
1: I think it's when you, you know, it, 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 it's kind of when you're trying to find a new friend, right? You move into a new neighborhood, you're about to experience this, you move into a neighborhood and you've got three or four neighbors. And there's just one guy that you're like, dude, if that guy calls me to hang out, I'm going over to his house. There's another guy down the street that you'd if somebody asked you if, if you know what was he like, you say, "Oh, he's a totally nice guy. He's got great kids, great family, really good dude." But then if you said, "Well, but whose house are you going over to hang out with and who you'd call and ask for recommendations from?" Then you you would probably pick one out of the four guys in your neighborhood like, "Well, if I had to guess somebody for a recommendation, I I'd probably call that guy." Why? Both are nice guys, great families. Why would you call that guy versus the other guy? It's just some people have that natural tendency to create—I don't know—trust, or they have. You feel like when you talk to them, they're thinking about the question that you asked. They, um, yeah, you know, there's something about them. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I I agree with you. I just wanted to
0: let you go so I could get that genuine, uh, genuine words and thoughts and feelings out of your brain. That was fantastic. What a great analogy for it too. So, you know, you, uh, it's also, he's probably the guy that drinks the most beer. And so you want to go hang out with his at his place because it's like, hey, hey, honey, he's got the actual refrigerator in the garage. You know what I mean? So, anyways, no, no, that's good, that's good. I like that. I like that. Miles, do you sell Do you, I know you invest a lot in your people because it's not you, you've already talked about the word mentorship. You've already talked about the word people um, as being very important. And and, and and like, what does your day look like? Like, what percentage of the day do you sell? Do you sell? Are you invested in your people? Are you tracking your finances? Look at your goals. What is your day roughly? I know it's all different, but overall, how do you see your day stacking up day to day?
1: It seems to be changing dramatically. Like right now, my day is spent thinking about recruiting and hiring. Um, and, you know, most of my day, de- I do not sell anymore, really. Uh, I mean, do I sell occasionally? Yes. There's staff is busy and a business owner calls and I need to insure a small business or my commercial guy's trying to focus on a large account that's maybe you know, 15, 20, thirty thousand in premium or more, and he doesn't have time to help a guy that's a three thousand dollar commercial account. You know, I'd rather see that client taken care of than, you know, and he may have other business with us than just not taken care of. So I do pick those things up. Um, I still have a book of business that I've been writing over six years. So I still have clients that I have put my that, that put their trust in me, they know me to help service their account. So I'm still quoting and um you know doing reviews with book with clients that i have that probably takes up a couple maybe two hours of my day um recruiting takes up another you know hour or so a, a day right now um meeting with staff members uh is probably taking up another hour of the day just for either as marketing or um markets uh Discussing with carrier relationships. We just got a new MGA that I'm excited about that I hope is going to make things a lot easier. They'll actually download through Ivans to our management system on ENS stuff. An MGA? Yes. Wow. Give a shout out. Who uh, are they? Johnson and Johnson. Wow. Interesting.
0: And they're actually going to download through Ivans
1: for all their ENS personal lines and about 50% of their commercial lines. Wow. Holy moly, someone was thinking outside the box. Yes. And they do a direct bill after the renewal on all of them.
0: Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Don't settle for less. Do more with MBS. For more information about nationwide brokerage solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Whoa, someone has got some leadership at the helm there. That is fantastic. And you know, you think about it. It's like we're amazed by that only because no one's doing it (laughs) except for. All of the other companies, you know what I mean? But when it comes to MGAs, no one's doing it. It's like, hey, we're looking on one side of the fence going, wow, look at what they're doing over there. And we're standing on the side of the fence where everybody's doing it. That's just the industry we're in. I want to continue
1: on more about that here in a minute. But so, yeah, maybe, I,
0: you know, maybe that's kind of what my way. day
1: looks like, though. And, in, in, you know, and then technology stuff. So I'm updating the website constantly. Um, you know, I added a, a chat bot. Oh, not a chat bot. I added a bot to my website and to our Facebook messenger that does everything automated. And I'm working to develop that a little bit more and plugging in our management system to it and um, working with carriers to get able to, so the bot can actually quote bind coverage. Um, you know, so it's just those kinds of things that I'm working on all day.
0: Well, that's pretty good. And just a little snippet, you don't have to go too depth, but like when you're recruiting, what does that look like when you're recruiting for that hour? What what are some of the things that you're doing? Where are you looking? I know this is a big thing for a lot of agency owners right now.
1: Yeah. I, well, I use LinkedIn quite a bit to spy in on, you know, uh, state farm agent staff and <laughs> you know okay the, all right yeah and, and if there's an all state staff or nationwide staff somebody who's been in the business 6 to 8 months or if there's somebody who's working for a l- really large bank owned insurance agency who's kind of capped on what they can do um, you know i kind of spy in there to see if there's anybody updating their 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 statuses for other companies in town, there's a broker in town that just closed and left us a town and they, they're they consolidating and they're, some of the people have left. So I've been trying to figure out who those people are, if I can pick them up. Um, I and then, you know, talking with talking with staff, uh, we, we, the retention girl, marketing retention girl that we hired, she was, she formerly worked with a staff member that we hired. Um, so I think it's just talking to our current staff Spying on people on LinkedIn, keeping tabs and notes on people that you run across when you're out in the community, whether it's networking or at the bank or at a restaurant or, um, you know, doing some sort of community service project and you see somebody there. Um, Just look. I'm trying to look for people who are employed and not unemployed. I want to try to pull people out of their jobs But I don't want to hire people that have been already pushed out, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. And that's actually a fantastic way to put it. That's good
0: stuff. That's good stuff. Miles, when you're declaring a a healthy business, when you're declaring what your agency needs to look like to be healthy, I think we always always look at the – well, did uh, what was my growth? You know, what I mean, I had ten percent growth, or I had fifteen percent growth, or whatever it is. When you're looking at like the the health of your agency, you're like you're looking at your blood pressure. Um, what what is some what is a couple factors you use to try to determine if you're going the right way or in doing the right things?
1: That's funny you said blood pressure. I was just talking to my um, retention uh, marketing girl. And I use blood pressure uh, as as in my in my terminology. And I, I think for me, when I look at the health of our agency, I'm looking at we use rocker referrals, so they have their um, you know we have our uh, what's it called, um, uh, what's that called the score the um, uh, yeah the promoter
0: score promote yep yep
1: Net I'm promoter looking at our score. Promoter score on there. Yeah, and I asked Rocker Furls for our size agency what the average promoter score was, and it was like seventy nine or eighty, and so we're at eighty two, so we're slightly above, you know, the, the average there. So I'm kind of looking at that, getting a feel for the clients. I'm I'm looking at the surveys, I'm looking at the testimonies, I'm looking at, um, you know, I'm trying to look at all those things to try to tell what is the feedback that we're getting from the clients? That is the best way for me to tell what the health of my agency is, is because what are the clients telling us they're experiencing overall? And then if their clients have bad experience, how are they taking, you know, we call them to discuss their experience. How receptive are they to our conversations? Are they, you know, are they 80 percent happy? Are they 90 percent happy? What parts of the experience were good? What parts are bad? And usually the, the answer is that they enjoy the experience, but there was something out of our control that was a bad experience for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Then it's it goes back to us to try to determine, you know, what was that? Is it the roadside assistance claim took too long or, you know, it, it, is it us or is it the carriers? Or sometimes it was it the carrier or was it us? So good point. I, I like that, I have to admit.
0: Like, so I popped open my Rocket Referrals real quick, um, and my company is at 83, and yeah. uh, I, I personally am at 60, or at 76. Well, I tell you what, I'm a little bit under average, aren't I, I guess, so far. But we do use those testimonials. You know, maybe you probably do the same thing. Whenever we get those testimonials, and for all you don't know, this is why you need to have rocket referrals. You hear me talk about this all the time. They're one of uh, our partner companies here at Agency Intelligence for the reason why they give you things like net promoter scores, as which you see a giant and a genius like Miles who uses it as one of the factors to be able to keep the pulse of the blood pressure of his agency. So this is this is why I don't tell you about this stuff because I get paid by them because I don't. I tell it to you because I want you to have the best out there. And Miles, when we're looking at that, you you when you have the uh, testimonials and a client gives a testimonial, does that get emailed to everybody or just to the agent who that's their client?
1: No, I have it emailed to everybody because I want them to, like throughout the day, it's just a pop of positivity throughout the day, just mm-hmm. something like that pop up. And occasionally we get the negative ones or somebody who wasn't satisfied. But uh, again, there's a, we have a girl in our office, um, Anne Louise, and she calls every single one of them, whether they're bad, whether they're good, every single one of them gets a phone call. And so they'll get updated and she'll kind of come back and tell everybody what the, what the response was. So everybody kind of knows how, how that was dealt with. And is it amazing the responses you
0: get? So we do the same, we do the same thing, but like sometimes they were just upset because uh, we told them that they'd get their policy in 10 to 14 days and uh, they waited 20. I'm making that up, but it's silly stuff like that. You know what I mean? And you're like, Oh, so that's why we got a seven, you know? And it's like, Oh, okay. That wasn't us. Or sometimes it is. Well, you know, before I issued the policy, Sarah did tell me she was going to call me back twice and she never did. Okay, that's good to know. You yeah, know what I yeah. mean? But it's it's amazing the things that will will trigger them to do to make those uh, determinations of, of a one A little ten. secret
1: about Rockner Pearls as well. Numbers. I don't know how to do this because I told Annalise not to tell me or anybody else in the office. But apparently if you do get that person that gives you a zero by accident, like somebody's trying to be funny, uh, or they just do mm-hmm. do make a mistake. You can delete that response and resend it.
0: Oh, and resend it. Okay, because I was always told if you get something like that, um, you can you can call Rocket Referrals and they will look into it and actually delete it for you. But you apparently can do it yourself. Apparently
1: you can. I and mean, again, I told Annalise not to tell anybody how to do that because then they'll just delete all the bad ones so their score look better. Uh, but apparently, true. <laughs> Yeah.
0: And that is what's also cool about rock uh, rocket referrals. Everybody gets their own login. So everybody has their own net performance score. Like I was saying a minute ago, loyal listeners, mine was a 76, but the company overalls was an 83. So that, uh, that was, that was pretty good. Um, let's see. I got a couple other things here. Where are we going in this industry, man? Where's this industry going? Where do you see, what is going to be the, what, what do you think will be your main focal point of your agency? Whether it's line of business, whether whatever it could possibly be, technology, how's your agency? You think going to probably look in ten years, miles? Ten
1: years, man. Uh, yeah, I,
0: I know. That's why you're allowed to just get wild and crazy because, like, you're totally years.
1: guessing, right? You know. You know. It's really hard to answer that question. I, six years ago, I couldn't have told you that we'd be here today, like the way that we are. So it's it just, you know, people always ask me, where are you going to be in five years? I, I really don't know. I didn't realize we'd be here where we are now. Uh, I, it's true. You know, I, I think for us, it is, and again, at the beginning, you know, we if, if you could fog a mirror and write a check, we would insure you. Um, but for me now in our agency, You know, the the goal is to get deeper and wider with each and every client and deal with the clients that we enjoy doing business with and that the client enjoys doing business with us. We're at the point where we are trying to not be a slave to our business, but let the business be our slave. Um, You know, we we open this business to to really, you know, be an advocate in our lives um, you know, to, to help us thrive. And so we just want to enjoy what we do. And I'm not going to deal with clients that we don't enjoy dealing with. And so the clients that typically enjoy the most are clients that are a little more willing to be advised. Uh, and so we are advisors insurance agency. And so, I mean, the next 10 years looks like us really just diving in and working with clients that may have multiple lines of business. I mean, we're preaching to the choir here, but the people who have the three or four cars, they have a home and a, and a, and a second home. They have a small business. I mean, my perfect client is a business owner that needs his business insured, his life insurance done, the benefits for his business and all of his personal insurance. And, you know, I think I've said this before, but, you know, insurance agents are kind of like husbands and wives. You really only need one. Um, <laughs> and those are the people that we want to work with. You know, we don't want our clients to have three insurance agents. That's too. That's that's too many. Literally. Too many.
0: I'm literally going to use that with my clients. Whenever they have their insurance spread out, I literally am going to start using that every time. I will probably say that a thousand times in the rest of my insurance career. That was absolutely fantastic. You know, Mr. Client, the reason why is you only need one. We're like, we're like husband and wife. That's hilarious. That is absolutely hilarious. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to take the loyal listeners and I, I want you guys to think about this. Cause I, I think about this all the time, right? So like, I've got a bunch of different things that I'm trying to do, some nationwide things. I'd like to create and open up agencies in all states, and that's going to take two, three years to get going. I've got a couple plans and all that. But here's the deal this is what I've always thought to myself, Miles, and I want to get your thought on this. I've always thought to myself, when are you going to retire, Jason? See, I'm 39. I'm getting ready to go into 40 and a lot of people claim that you have like this midlife crisis, right? Well, I don't consider it a midlife crisis that I'm going through right now. I consider it a midlife audit. And it's basically to me of what it, what's worked so far in 20 years and what's gonna, uh, that I need to continue on and what hasn't worked over the last 20 years that I need to shed. That, mm-hmm. That's kind of the way that I see it in my brain. And what I'm looking at now is I'm starting to now ask myself the question: When will enough be enough? When will I be able to look at my P and look at my total revenue, look at my IRA? When will it be I'm ready to go? I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to do something no. else. To me, my goal is 55, and I'm going to sell everything I have, everything. And I'm going to probably move to Tampa, but live most of my time in Cuba building churches. That's just what I, this is what I do. By the way, I'm going to Cuba this Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. But that's just what I do. That's just what I want to be. I'm going to say three million. I'm going to say that when I can get my agency or my total revenue of whatever I'm doing and I think I'm probably going to go higher than that miles but if I just stay in my two location agency and I didn't and I didn't buy any more locations or do anything other than just grow at maximum effort, with that maximum effort I'm going to say 3 million in revenue. I'm going to say once I get the 3 million I know I can at least get two times, maybe three, hopefully four. But I know I can at least get two times and I'm gonna be able to walk away with a six million dollar check, give Travis his piece, I'll get my piece, and I'll be and I'll be good to go, right? Because I'm already building an IRA also on the side. But I, I think at the end of the day, really the greatest IRA that I build, I look at it that way. Like whenever I sell a policy, I literally think to myself, the value of my business just went up this much. And now that's just much more than I'm going to be able to get. I mean, it's really fun and exciting if you look at your day-to-day activity like that. When you sell a ten thousand dollars commission account, and you think to yourself, "Well, really, if I can keep that on the books, that was actually twenty thousand dollars." You know, and of that, about about fifteen of that went to my IRA. So it's it's really really kind of cool. But what is that amount for you, Miles? Do you have any idea if you've given that any thought? Have you thought think about, about it.
1: that? <laughs> you know, I, I try not to focus on the end number financially Um, and and I used to more in that podcast how I built this I listened to the the same people like that build up those companies on there and they always and and they ask them the same question you know what does it feel like to be rich or what does it feel like to be you know millionaire and successful and they all all the successful ones all had the same answer They never focused on the financial, like being able to be rich and and have money and and retire with the money. Their focus is always on making sure that the business ran well and was taken care of and their staff was taken care of and their customers were getting the experience they wanted. And if they put their focus on that, then the rest would come. And so I've been trying to focus on, Hey, you know, when would I retire? Would I sell the business or what is it? And I, Think about, you know, and, and as our company is growing, I'm hiring more people and more people. And my wife brings this up all the time. And she says, you know, the, the goal of opening your business was to get more time for yourself and, and to enjoy your family and the things that you like to do. And so I'm trying to what I don't want to do is build up a company that continues to bring more stress um keeps me awake at night, uh, makes me worried about things. And I'm not a control freak, but I like when I when you hire people, you want to make sure that they can self-manage. And when you start hiring more and more and more people, you're bound to have people who cannot self-manage and you're gonna have problems. Cause you just don't gonna have I mean you're just not gonna be able to hire as well. Um, uh, I mean maybe you can. uh, And sometimes just, and I found this out as we continue to grow, like just because I have more, you know, revenue at the end of the year that we brought in more revenue, doesn't mean I made any more money. Uh, Because every time you grow, every time you grow, grow, you have to hire people to keep the growth going. So now I'm stepping back and saying, okay, where do I want to plateau? Because now it's time to stop hiring, pick the clients that we want and grow our margins instead of growing our bills. Uh, so even though you have, you know, when you're talking about, you have two or three million in revenue and you can sell it at, you know, two or three or four times, maybe if you're making money, uh, it could, you know, it could be that you have $3 million in revenue and you have $2.8 million in expenses and you've got nothing. Uh, you know, you can't, it's going to be tough to sell that uh, at the revenue that you want. So, I love that.
0: When is the time to start growing your margins instead of growing your bills? And that's a very, very true. So it comes a point in time you're saying that I've got a great team. I've got a lot of things figured out, but the amount of money I'm growing is, is, is not as important as then just making sure I'm growing with the right clientele, which at the end of the day, is going to grow the revenue. But you'll still be able to expand your margins without necessarily growing Jason, your I'm going to love and, that, Miles. The other day genius. I stopped into
1: a mentor of mine's office. He's a couple miles down the road. And he has a four-person a four team, four people, no service centers. It's two partners and two service staff. They have a, their, their revenue is exactly the same as mine, exactly the same. Same size book of business. They have four people, I have 11 people. Now they're not growing. They're not growing, they are maintaining. But I think that the owners work, I don't know, they might work 30 hours a week. They're excellent at golf, they have very nice homes. Their profit margin is gigantic. They have very low overhead. And I'm looking at my business and I'm thinking, we have the same revenue and you're making a ton more money than I am. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's like, okay, and I have, right. you know, and so you start thinking through, okay, what what is my strategy? How big do I want to get? How big, how many, you know, do you want to have a bunch of headaches or do you want to make it simple um, and maybe maybe make the same money or more?
0: so maybe sometimes it's better to have a true ira rather than seeing your business as your ira because if you have to increase your value of your business to supplement your ira then you're going to increase your bills which you're actually fighting two battles there rather than just growing more of your margins which allows you to take more and put into your own ira on the side which will create a happier life with less bills in the meantime But grow an IRA. So that's different. And that's a really good way of looking at this. And you're probably going to make me really like probably going to drive home tonight. And I'm probably not going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to sit there and look out the window for an hour because you made me realize a couple of things. I took down a bunch of notes here. And I really, really like that because uh, I've been told by my mentors uh, something a little bit different. And they were widely successful, but I like the way that you're looking at that for many different reasons. And I love what your wife said, which, yes, is the genius of her and is the genius of you, is that's why we did start this. And I think you loyal listeners need to listen to one, Miles, when he says that that's why we did start this. I think a lot of us, you know, we're getting paid 40 or 50 percent commission. And I think then it came to the fact of, well, hey, if I go start my own agency, I'll get a pay raise immediately. And I think a lot of you, if you're running a business correctly, found out that that was the biggest falsehood there ever was. I, I'm going to tell you this, and Miles, you may, you may think differently or not. I love owning my own agency. I love the operations of it. I love trying to put everything together like a, you know, and build it. I love building things. But at the end of the day, I still, to this day, to this day, I made more money in the year 2009 than I did today or I did last year. Now I'm talking like straight making money. Like I I made a crap load of money in 09 and I thought to myself, boy, I could just almost double this with my commission. And the reason is, is because as you're building things pretty close to what I made in 09 last year, but as you're building things if I just took my straight commission, well, heck yeah, I made more than I did in two thousand nine. But I have to offset it with these expenses and hey, we need to grow here. So we need to put 10 grand there. And where's that 10 grand gonna come from? Well, I know it's gonna come from some of our growth down the line, but I know for sure that at the end of the day, I could just take a thousand dollars less per month and that would then fund it. You know, those different types of things we think as business owners. And and you you just alluded to a really, really good thing about growing your margins. And not growing your bills. So I really, really like that. That was, uh, I'm really glad I asked that question because this has been a great podcast, but you really, really catapulted it there. Now, let me ask you this, Miles, to close it up. Are you a reader or are you a leader? And <laughs> are, if you're both, are you a reader you or a leader?
1: Uh, I, well, if you're I'm both, terrible at reading? reading. I mean, I can, not terrible at reading. I'm terrible at picking up a book and reading. Um, I just picked up a book. Uh, the Leader's Bookshelf. <laughs> and it is a book about reading, if that makes sense. It was the the, the guy interviewed, uh, and it's, it's kind really? of military background. The guy apparently, which I didn't know, like military generals and leaders have reading lists. They always have. They have required reading, requir- they have reading requirements. And so if you're going to sail a Navy ship, you know, somewhere off the coast of India or something like that, then you have to have like you have to read a certain amount of books that talks about people who have sailed that area and the challenges they came through. And so they have these reading lists. And uh, so this this guy was an admiral that wrote this book. And he interviewed like he interviewed a bunch of the top officials and said, what is your what is what are your top? And he created a, a 50 50 books of what people who have led the military have read. And it's a lot of books, and he kind of took the ones out that are just super military. Like you're not going to read it unless you're in the military. He took those out and said these books could apply to all types of leaders, and um, and it's in some are fiction, some are nonfiction, but some are very historical. But they just talk about the grunt of what it took to lead lead a group of people through a battle. Um, and there's also books like Seven Highly Effective Ways. Um, what is it you, know, you know that book? What is it? Um, Seven. I know what you're talking
0: about. But anyways, they're are business
1: books that you and I would be familiar with. But it kind of goes the, the this book goes through and kind of gives a summary of. It tells you how to read a book. It tells you, you know, you shouldn't read more than two at the same time. You should be reading one fiction, one nonfiction. You should research the author in order to see their point of view before they wrote the books. So it'll help you understand what they're writing. Uh, it just kind of goes through as somebody who's read, who's read, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and hundreds of books, how they effectively huh. read through a book, how they get the most out of it. And, um, and it summarizes 50 different books in this book that give you kind of the pulls out of it. Um, And so it might summarize a thousand page book in two pages, uh, but then it kind of tells you, hey, this is what you should be able to drag out of this book. This is what you should be looking for in this book. So it's really kind of cool as a first step if you're trying to get back into reading, like how an admiral reads a book because they have tons of time on their hands, right? They're sitting in airports or they're sitting waiting in a ship or they have actually, I mean, when they're going, they're going. But when they're idle, they have tons of idle time and they spend a lot of time reading.
0: I, I didn't realize that they had actual required reading. That's, that's crazy. And so that's the book. I, yeah. I saw you mention that to Rob McCarthy inside of the mastermind, uh, yesterday or two days ago. So I was wondering what
1: that was about. I didn't have time to actually reading. investigate it myself. I struggle so, with reading, thank you very much I also for struggle it. with leadership as well. Um, creating business is one thing, but then leading the people that you've hired is another thing. And I, I struggle with that immensely. And, uh, so I'm, I'm hoping through reading, practicing, reading about other leaders and what they're reading will help.
0: Fantastic. You know, uh, Miles, I really do appreciate you being a part of this <laughs> industry. I'm glad State Farm fired you. Um, I, 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 I am. I really am. And you know what's amazing is, is that uh, when I first was starting off into the insurance world. I may have said this over the last five years, but I don't think so. Um, my father-in-law told me that I should be in insurance, and never told. I told him I'd never be in insurance one day in my life. Blah 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 blah. But finally, when I decided to listen to him, right after 2000 uh, or after September 11, 11th, and I went to go get my own license. What was amazing is the first place I went to was this place called Country Companies, which is a direct writer here in Illinois. And they said, yeah, you know, you seem like you'd be great. Da, 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 da. Took some tests. Everything was good. But I've had to take this final test, which would determine whether or not I could do this. And I failed the test. I literally failed the test. They graded it on low, medium and high. Um, you had to be in high in order to qualify. And I got in medium. And the guy told me, he said, man, come back and try this again in six months. And to this day, whenever I see a country company's policy, I'm absolutely going to tear it up. I really am because I, I still have this, this. they're called the green, um, the green machine. That's what agents call them. I call them the green monster. And it's funny how those little bitty things like that, that set us off to say, it's somebody who's trying to steer our path, right? Someone who's trying to form the image in my head of who I am. And it's almost like, That's off limits to you. Don't try to declare me by your own personal thoughts or some tests that you may give to people. Allow me to prove myself. And in your regards, as you said, you weren't selling because you were learning, but it was a great thing because it taught you that, hey, I shouldn't necessarily expect somebody who's a rock star to, to get it right out of the gate. But it had to do with the fact that it was that defining moment. And I think we've all had those defining moments. And I think any of you loyal listeners who are listening, you ought to think back to when your defining moment is. Because that defining moment may be the reason why and maybe the thing you need to keep thinking about to keep going forward and creating real agency intelligence inside of your agency. Miles, anything you want to close with? I think
1: that in closing, one thing that you just said, and I think of all the time, uh, and I was speaking to a class at a local college about entrepreneurship not too long ago. and, And the one thing that I see people, reason why they fail, they don't aspire to their dreams or goals is they surround themselves with the wrong people and you are more likely to merge into the person you surround yourself with. And that person is going to become you. So you have to surround yourself with people that help you become the person that you want to become. If you surround yourself with people who make $50,000 a year, you're going to think like a person who makes $50,000 a year. If you want to become somebody who wants to make a a quarter million dollars a year, a half a million dollars a year, then you need to surround yourself with people like that so you can understand how they think. Uh, and so as running my agency, it's a struggle of, Hey, how do I find people that are doing this better than I am so I can surround myself with those people? Uh, and I think it's a struggle. And and it's one of the great things about this group is finding people to surround yourself with so that you can learn from them and, 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 and grow your business. I agree. You know,
0: on the, uh, new mastermind page, we have insurance agency intelligence. You can click on the mastermind and we actually have a quote on there from, uh, From the great Jeff Roy. And it's one of the things that he elaborates all the time. I mean, Jeff, if you guys don't know, I mean, Jeff is like, he'll tell you this. He is like in so many masterminds, it's ridiculous. Like, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of dollars this dude spends. But what's amazing is, is anytime you're around Jeff and you meet him or you're at a conference or whatever, you walk away thinking to yourself like, wow, that dude gets it. And Jeff will be the first to tell you, like, he gets it because other people helped him understand it. And I think that that's so important. Um, sometimes when I'm thinking of inferior uh, being inferior uh, miles, I always think sometimes about the fact that we have450, 500,000 in revenue. because inside of our group, like I'm on the low side. Like there's a lot of people who are around the million dollar revenue area. We have a couple who are in the plus two plus three million. I know for a fact, and that's why, I try to create this. A lot of people don't know this, Miles, but I probably over the last five years, I've turned away, I'm going to say 10 people or less from becoming a mastermind member. And if you happen to be a loyal listener and I'm one of those people, you're one of those people I turned away. I apologize for this, but it's just the way that it is. I don't necessarily need people in the group that I'm smarter than, you know? I don't want to be the smartest guy in the group. And then I also look for obligations of Miles and Bogus Hansel, who have larger operations than me and say, hey, I need to make sure that I keep putting people in that are smarter than them. That's right. Because that's what you're looking for, right? We never want to be that smart. We don't want to be that smartest guy in the room. And I think a lot of us, it's just natural for us to think that way. So, Miles, I do applaud you on that. And I do know you're involved in your association. You're very involved in the industry. I think you're involved in, like you said, stopping at the person down the road who's your mentor and looking at how you can get better. Folks, if there's anything you can do, it's find somebody. Jim Rohn used to say, hang out with people who have a larger W-2 than you. That's what he used to say. And I, and I think that has a lot of truism to it. And so, Miles, I do appreciate your time. Thank you for taking an hour of your time uh, to come on here, a little over an hour. And I do apologize. You guys are going to notice also with some of the other agency intelligence, they may be a little bit longer because it's not a lot of fluff. I'm trying to bring you real agency intelligence versus the artificial intelligence that you are told out there in the industry. Miles, thank you for your time. Thank you also once again for being a leader of our group. Thank you once again for being the first person to join us on agency intelligence. No problem, Miles. And uh, thank you also, I should say, for being a friend, because that's the most important thing is that I can always call you up and uh, ask you things and you call me up and ask me things. And I think that there's nothing more important than friendship, but especially friendship when it's when it's revolved around business. So thank you because you're always honest with me. And in the meantime, thank you, everybody out there for being a loyal listener, as you've always been. I greatly appreciate it. If you're new, be sure to go back and listen. We have over 450, I think it's like 470 or 480 podcasts out there. We're doing a lot of things to try and help you you um, every day. And here's the last thing that I probably want to lead with here. And that is go to AIbrainshare18.com, AIbrainshare18.com or AIlab18.com, whatever you want, but go there and sign up. I'm telling you, you're probably listening to this podcast sometime in the month of March. And I promise you, we're only taking 100 people. I say this every year. Last year, we sold out at 100 people. I had people who called in the last minute, said, hey, can I get in? I had to say no to you. I'm not joking with you. We're only taking 100, and this thing will fill up. So please, be sure to get in. It's at SLS um, and Vegas at uh, Hotel and Casino. I just want you to know we feed you. You come in on a Thursday. You can leave on a Saturday or even a Sunday We're different in the fact that we feed you and all of your drinks, everything you eat is all included in the registration fee. And if I'm correct, the registration fee is going to be $250 for the first week. After that, it's going to go to $389 until June 1st. And then it will go to after that, it will be $489. Still less than all the other conferences, but all the other conferences are just as electric. We're just going to put our style on it because in Elevate, Elevate it's not a conference. Innovate, it's not a conference. There are things that are different. And with us, we're a brain share to where we want you to come into a room, sit down and share brains. And we have got an exciting thing, some exciting things planned. And I will tell you, a lot of the agents who went to Elevate and went to Innovate told me that they were awesome, but they still at the end of it, they wanted, they were looking forward to going home. At the end of brain share, they said, we wanted another day. I'm still going to only keep it to two days. Some of my members want to go to three days, but we're going to keep it at two days. And I want to see you there in in Vegas on September 13th to the 15th. So once again, thank you for joining us here at Agency Intelligence, where we give you real agency intelligence versus the artificial intelligence that you're told out there in the industry. This is Jason Cass, and I'm out. Hey agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it.